Greetings from London. I am recording this after I've already done this incredible interview with Jake, uh, who I recorded this with him probably a couple of weeks ago. But I'm just now getting around to doing the intro. I am really happy. I'm in London, the city I've wanted to be in for like my whole life. And this is great timing because I want to share something before we dive into this episode about the city and what it means to me to finally be here and what gift I've been given in life to be able to make this happen, why I'm grateful and how you can do this as well. So if you have a passion in life or you have something you're really excited about in life, interested in, and you can't stop doing it, you just can't stop doing it. Your heart craves to do it. You love to do it, whether it's speaking about something or it's making something or it's using your hands or your mind or your body or yoga, teaching, whatever it may be. Maybe you have something that you're dying to make into a reality as a career online, perhaps, so that you can travel. Well, for me, for the longest time, many of you might not know this, but I have been doing this blogging, podcasting, coaching thing for over five years. And it it wasn't always easy. It definitely wasn't something that uh, was given over to me. There was a lot of times where I would be upset or struggling or depressed because I just didn't know if it would work, if it was for me or not. Everyone else seemed to have all the success. And for me, it was, there wasn't enough clarity. and, And I was given a lot of amazing mentors in my life to help me along the way. But I had some some moments of stag- stagnation where I just couldn't get to that next level, that next level where I truly felt things were flowing. Some days now, I still don't feel that way. I know that I've been, uh, I'm definitely on a, a much, I'm, an, I'm in the easier part of having an online business, but for a long time, I felt like it was a struggle to get enough clients to be able to pay the bills and to feel confident in my business and direction. But I had this vision for my life and I I was so set on it. I didn't want to work for other people. I knew that I wanted to be able to pick up and travel whenever I wanted to. And no matter how many times my father said, not everyone can enjoy their job, Maddie. It's It's just not how it is. And laugh whenever I said that I want to enjoy the work I do with my life. Every time he laughed at me when I said that, I just knew I couldn't keep I couldn't listen to to that. I couldn't believe that it was so improbable, so impossible to love the work you do, so I kept at it. For me, a very pivotal turning point was when I decided to put myself through something called B school. And it is run by a woman named Marie Forleo, very popular, very well-known amongst many people. Uh, Marie Forleo created the B-School, which is a online modern day business school. And when I took Marie Forleo's business school, I gained clarity on who I'm talking to, why I'm talking to them, how to reach them better, how to create a website that shines and is passionate about about me and what I what I do and the message I want to share, how to get crystal clear on what I'm selling and why I'm selling it, the ideas that I want to promote, the direction I want to move in. When I took her course, I gained all of this clarity and that's when the momentum I feel truly built and truly launched me into that next place of 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 clarity and comfort and and more security in the work that I'm doing. So Marie Forleo once a year comes out with a free video series and I'm talking about this because here I am in London living I'm looking out the window right now looking at outside of my hotel looking at just the lights and the beautiful tower of London and 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 all of these incredible things I I years ago dreamed I'd be able to see and I'm doing the work that I love to do as I'm looking out and it's just a very beautiful moment for me and I want to be able to share it with other people so that's why I am letting you know about her free video training series if you're interested in all and being able to do something you love to do and make money while you do it and 
be able to travel or have freedom or work from home if you have kids, I highly recommend you sign up for the free video series. That link is on the show notes for this episode. So please sign up by going to maddiemoon.com slash jake dash Heilbrunn. It's not the easiest last name to spell. It's H-E-I-L-B-R-U-N-N. Very easy. Or you can just go to maddiemoon.com and you'll see recent podcast. The videos will only be up for, I think, like a week more. So if you want to get just uh, just this inspiration, just get that little bit of inspiration going for you, highly, 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 highly recommend it. You guys know that I don't promote or talk about business-related people. I don't have people come on the podcast to talk about how to build a business, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about this because I took it, I invested in it, and it changed so much for me. I owe a lot to this course and to these videos that launched me into the course. And and it's perfect timing for me to be talking about this because here I am living that dream. And I am very grateful for all the things that I learned in uh, from Marie, Marie for Leo. So check that out. Other cool news that I want to share is that Heather Waxman, who I had on the podcast a few episodes ago, I've gotten so much good feedback about that. And I, I see why it was an amazing episode because Heather is just packed full of incredible insight. She's one of my good friends. I said that on the show. I trust her with everything I got. She is an incredible soul. The The exciting news I'm, I'm trying to get to, if I can just stop talking about how much I, I freaking love Heather, is that she will be coming to my retreat. She'll be doing a workshop at the Confidence Revival Retreat in May, along with the incredible activities and yoga and dance and learnings we'll be having. She will be there to do a very powerful workshop that that me and her have been working on and creating together to provide for you the most intimate, beautiful experience possible, along with all the other days and all the other workshops. This one will not be one you want to miss. So this, the Confidence Revival is for a woman who is ready to get back in touch with her femininity. If you're a masculine-minded woman driven by perfectionism, doing it all, being it all, having it all, accomplishing all, and you're tired and you're exhausted and you want more flow and intuition and ease and you want to know that you can resonate more with the word be than the word do. This retreat's for you. It's all-inclusive. Food is provided. Accommodation is provided. And you'll be spending time with me one-on-one every day, diving deep. To get more information on that, just go to the show notes for this episode again. Or you can go straight to my website and go to the events retreats tab for the Confidence Revival Retreat. As I mentioned in the last interview with Mark Manson. The tuition of the retreat is $1,200. All I need is a $500 deposit. You'll book your room separately with the Kripalu Center so you can see which exact room you want, either with others or with by yourself. And the room start as low as $278 for the entire stay, not per night, the entire stay. So remember, you can save your spot right now, book it today by just putting down that $500 deposit. And yes, I'm so excited. Okay, now let's talk about this review of the week. This comes from Dancing Bakita. And Dancing Bakita says, Maddie is a body-positive self-love guru with five stars. She says, I was on the hunt for a podcast like Maddie's after coming off a strict bikini bodybuilding prep for over six months. I had found that regardless of what the scale or body fat percentage is read, I never truly felt at peace with myself and how I looked. I realized I needed to fill my mind with messages that would bring peace and self-love acceptance into my life, and Maddie's podcast does just that. I listen daily while driving to or from work and always feel a greater sense of peace and acceptance and encouragement. Keep up the good work, Maddie. P.S. Love your elephant tattoo to elephant emoji Rebecca. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I am so grateful to hear that. And well, another thing I wanted to share as I'm in um, as I'm in London right now is to confess and be honest and be open and vulnerable and let you guys know that you know I'm in London. I'm in this. I was just in Paris. I was in Frankfurt before that. And I think anytime anyone that has struggled with any kind of food stuff like body dysmorphia or um, ED, orthorexia, anorexia, bulimia, 
when you travel, it brings up a lot of stuff. It, you're confronted with foods, new foods. You don't have your kitchen. You don't have your safe foods, your safe snacks or all this stuff. And you got to branch out and eat more and really get in touch with your body and when you're hungry, when you're not. And maybe you eat at, you know, 10 o'clock instead of at 8 a.m. And, and then you eat lunch at 3 o'clock and it's in between and it's uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, you guys, I'm I'm human and I'm I'm just like you and I have struggles as well. And I've noticed that when I travel, there's a certain amount of time where I have my healthy eating um, healthy eating hat on where I have this idea of a way I'm supposed to eat, the best way to eat when I travel. And about a week and a half in of doing that, I reached this point of exhaustion with this healthy eating hat of trying to control things. I've learned this about myself. I'm learning so much about myself. Over the past year, I would say I've I've learned an incredible amount about how I work and uh, whenever I'm about to have my period, I realize I always want a bath and I retreat. It's, it's, it happens every single night before my period, like clockwork. When, even when I don't even know my period is coming, I crave a bath. Weirdest thing ever. When I travel, I have that healthy eating hat on where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be traveling for the next month. I should make sure that I eat plenty of salads and green juices so that it balances out when I have all the sweets and the wine, blah, blah, blah. That's okay because I'm not doing it out of place of, of hate or fear. It's really just for me because I know I crave healthy food, so that's fine. But I think after about a week and a half, then it gets to a place of fear. And then I, I notice it. I'm very aware, very self-aware. So whenever I start teetering on the, the edge of obsession or analness or perfectionism, then I say, okay, here's that hump. I'm getting over the hump. I notice right now I'm getting a little bit anxious. I've got some body dysmorphia going on, some anxiety. And instead of being like, oh, I'm, I'm retracting. I'm so bad. I'm so mad at myself. Why can't I just enjoy my trip? And why do I have these thoughts? I look at it and I say, okay, that's interesting. I'm getting anxious about my body image. I'm feeling my thighs and I'm getting weird about this. Now, why am I doing this? Oh, it's because I've been not in my own kitchen for a week and I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm eating new things and it's okay. It's okay that I have a little bit of anxiety. That's fine. doesn't mean that I've relapsed or that I have issues I need to work out. It just means that this healthy eating thing is trying to take control, but I'm not going to let it. I'm really, I'm just not going to let it. And it's as easy as that. It's not that I have to go and read a, a new book about body image and listen to five podcasts and do this and do that and do that. I just need to bring awareness to it and say, that's okay. My body's just trying to go back into old habits. I kind of know that's who I am. That's how I am sometimes, but it doesn't freak me out and it doesn't get my panties in a wad. I'm okay. I'm fine. And I realize it. And now I'm getting over that hump. So it's about a week and a week and a half where I reach this point of, I guess you could say like a climax where it's like, ah, food is out of my control. I realize it. I realize there's some anxiety about it. And now from here, I let go and I pretty much let go completely of even the whole idea of balancing out sweets with not sweets and this and that. This happens every time I go on a trip and now I'm assuming this, this climax, this hump, it's, it's over and, and I, I've, I've noticed it, I've realized it and I've let go of it and it's a really powerful place to be. So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because if you've done a whole bunch of work with your body image and you realize when you go on a trip, you have some old thoughts and old habits come back to haunt you. It's okay. Most people do. And it's not, it doesn't mean that you've relapsed and you're back into the old days and you haven't changed. It really just means that you're human and that you have a particular struggle and sometimes it flares, but that's fine because you're human and sometimes it flares and, 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 and you just need to learn the art of giving up control and surrendering and being okay. Being okay. Sometimes I think I reach that boiling point because of anxiety and maybe it's because I'm in a new country and I'm constantly on the go and I'm learning a subway system or trains or getting through language barriers and, and that anxiety manifests into food control. There's When you understand what's going on, you have so much power, you see. I can tell you that I have the same struggle that maybe I had six years ago, but just the mere fact that I understand it and it's not this big mystery, I don't freak out at all and I know how to work through it. So I'm telling you this 
to relate to you, to be vulnerable with you, to be open with you, to let you know you're not alone, but to also let you have a solution and know that bringing that awareness to it can help you so much. Not to say that you shouldn't listen to types of podcasts that help you work through food issues and body issues because those are all so helpful, but realize you don't always need them. Sometimes what you need is just awareness and to tell yourself it's okay. It's fine. Woo. All right. Thanks, guys. If you listen to all this intro, you are amazing. I really appreciate you not skipping through all of this and to actually listen to it because hopefully you got some kind of nugget in there that you needed and it spoke to you. Now, on to bigger and better things, this interview with Jake Heilbrunn. Jake is the author of Off the Beaten Trail, an inspiring memoir about his journey leaving college and solo backpacking through Central America at 18 with no phone or no knowledge of Spanish. An emerging leader of his generation, he has reached thousands of people through his blog post, inspirational videos, and motivational talks at high schools. Jake has been featured in Psychology Today, Thought Catalog, the San Diego Union Tribune, and various other sites. He is dedicated to empowering people to live a life of purpose through listening to their inner voice, heeding their intuition, and then taking action. This conversation with, with Jake was so awesome. It was so raw, it was so open, so unscheduled and unplanned, and it went exactly where it needed to be. So I highly recommend you pick up Off the Beaten Trail to read his memoir. Jake's an awesome guy. I'll get into how I know him into the episode, but I wanted to introduce him so you had some insight into this incredible guy. I hope you check out his work after you listen to this episode, and let's go ahead and dive on in. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie Moon. Hello, my lovely friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast. Today is episode 140, and we're here with my friend Jake. I am so excited to speak with him about his awesome story and his new book, Off the Beaten Trail. I had the absolute honor and pleasure to meet Jake at a retreat that we both went to. Um, couple years ago now almost or maybe it was like a year and a half um but we both went to a retreat and they were just like eight of us there so it was a really intimate beautiful gathering but I was so inspired by all of the things Jake was doing with his life even up until that point and even a year and a half later he has set out and he's done everything that he said he wanted to do when we were inside of that retreat. So it's really awesome to be able to watch that progress and keep up with all of his great work. So Jake, without further ado, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you for the kind words. It's, it's also super cool to see the direction that you've headed and what you've accomplished in the last like year, year and a half. Yeah, it's been really nice to be able to follow each other's journey because I feel like that space we were in with just like a few of us, it was so intimate and it was just really raw, obviously. It was very, very raw. Um, and I felt like connections with all of you guys really deeply. So it's been nice to be able to follow, especially your work. I've I followed everyone that was in there, but your work particularly because you've done, you've done so much. And I remember you talking about like, I want to write a book. I want to get this part of my life in shape and I want to work on this. And like, here you are with this awesome book that I have right beside me um, with your beautiful story. And just, I, I feel that it's so 
applicable to so many people's dreams today, what you actually did with your life. But there's so much fear. What you did is really, really scary, which we'll get into, obviously. So I'm excited to chat about that. And I just want to say thank you for putting this piece of art out there. Yeah, no, I thank you. I appreciate that. So the very first thing we do is dive into your story. So go back, go back in the past and let us in on what brought you to where you are today. I grew up in San Diego, California. I moved here when I was just a baby, so I don't remember anything anything else. And had a really great childhood and uh, high school experience where I was really involved and kind of didn't really question the trajectory of my path like everyone around me. It was like you work really hard, and if you have the opportunity to go to college, you do so. So I got into the Ohio State University, and I was really excited. I was going to study business. I was you know, just excited for what everyone's saying, like the best four years of your life. Although deep down, part of me was a little hesitant going straight to school. Um, I felt like a little anxious committing myself four years, like physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, when I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I kind of wanted to explore some other routes, but I eventually just pushed those hesitations aside and enrolled in school. And that might not have been the best idea. Uh, three days after I got to school, I broke out in hives and rashes, like all over my legs and arms. And it felt like my arms were on fire. And I had no idea why. And almost every day for the rest of the semester, I was just waking up with these like fiery hives and rashes, like to the point where I, sometimes I would like almost waddle where I went because just the touch of my shorts on these hives was so aggravating. And I saw doctors, immunologists, dermatologists. I had the pills, creams, test tubes, you know, the whole nine yards. And none of these doctors knew what was wrong. And they diagnosed me with chronic urticaria, which is like a fancy name for saying, hey, kid, your skin's freaking out and we don't know why. So here's a name for it. And by this time, about a month and a half into the semester or so, I was 18 and I developed severe anxiety. And up until that point in my life, like I never really had experienced anxiety. It became this like dense ball that would like roll up in my chest. And at times, like I felt like I, I couldn't even speak. And I was always almost like on the verge of tears. And I never knew why. Like, of course, the skin stuff was contributing to it. But like, it was just so it was like a generalized intense anxiety. And I kind of fell into a depression. And of course, I was hiding this from everyone. Like my Instagram feed probably looked cool. Like you would, you know, you would have never like known that. But I started to question the why in almost every aspect of my life. Like, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? And, you know, after many months, I kind of just realized that the path I was going down just did not feel right. And I started thinking about other ideas. And this one just kept coming into my head. It was this idea of travel and exploration. And for whatever reason, it just like kept coming into my head. And I imagined myself like living in this foreign country and volunteering and, and just exploring different ways of life. And one night, kind of the shift, the first shift. So something I, I haven't told many people, and I didn't write about this in my book, I probably should have in hindsight, but I actually, it took me two tries to leave school. Um, Successfully. The first one, I was, I heard this entrepreneur speak at a business club I was in. And he told this story of how when he was a freshman in college, he actually ended up dropping out and to start an internet company. And this was back in the 90s where, you know, the internet like wasn't a thing. And so people called him crazy and all this stuff. And after years and years of him pursuing it, eventually took off. But he said these words that really stuck with me. And he said, the biggest risk we take is not taking any risk at all. I remember when I heard those words, I just like was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to take a leave from school and just travel. I have to do this because I remember like the week before there was this 21-year-old student who was killed in a car accident off campus. And I remember like thinking to myself, like, what if that was me? You know, would I go out knowing that I was living a life true to myself? And unfortunately, the answer was no there. So that night I like did not sleep the whole night. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. And the next day, I canceled all my classes and housing for the next semester. And then about a week before the first semester ended, I freaked out. I got super scared and I uncanceled everything. 
So I was like, okay, I'm going to come back for the second semester and just give it another shot. And I don't know, are you familiar with like Ohio State football? No, not really. Okay, so it's basically like a religion there. It's like they love their football. And the first night back, they were in the, the national championship football game. So it was like a big deal. And like I'm from San Diego, so like we have the beach and stuff. So people are like, we like, like our sports teams, but it's nothing like Ohio. It was like insane. And of course, they win the game that night. And like it's madness, like thousands of students swarming through campus and it's like five degrees out, like people like belly flopping into the snow without their shirts on, like <laughs> lighting off fireworks and like bonfires and, you know, like all these crazy parties. And it was like something I'd never experienced before. And then I remember waking up the next morning and feeling absolutely miserable. I felt like I had like a hundred pound weight on my chest and I remember grabbing my phone and I had an 8 a.m. math class, and I was that kid who, like, literally went to every 8 a.m. class like I was a good student. Um, but I, this was, like, the first time where I felt like I couldn't get out of bed. Like, I felt so anxious. Like, I couldn't even speak. Um, I still had, like, hives, and I had seen a, a holistic doctor over the first – over the winter break before coming back, and I eliminated – this guy told me to eliminate gluten, soy, and dairy – which I, I know, of course, you know, like the effects that those foods can have, but I had no idea the relation between, you know, the food I'm eating and what could be causing my skin to react. So that the night before I had, you know, made the decision to drink and I, I just felt awful the next morning. And I realized like I could not make it to class. And I called this career counselor who I'd seen a couple of times the first semester originally to talk about career stuff because I had no idea really what I wanted to do with my life. But then it really quickly moved into therapy, essentially, where I would just tell her like what was going on in my life. I, I kind of hid my anxiety and depression from most people. And she just allowed me to kind of create this space where I could just be real with her. So I, I had this level of trust with her. And she knew my desire to travel as well. So she asked me these two questions that like literally changed my life. And the first one, she said, okay, if you do leave school and travel, like what is the worst thing that can happen? And I don't know if you've ever played like the what if game with a like a worst case scenario, but your mind goes to some bad places. And like I realized that really the worst thing I thought that could happen, like I wasn't scared of dying because like I shared, like I I kind of knew that like death could come at any moment. Like I kind of went through like an existential crisis, so I wasn't scared about dying, but I was scaring about like dying and not having been like pursuing a dream of mine. But I really thought that if I left school and traveled for whatever reason, like I might just end up in like a box on the street or just, you know, be begging the rest of my life or just become this huge failure, like everyone who knew me. And of course, like while those things could technically happen, like they were probably unrealistic. So I said those things to her like aloud, like I, I like told her those things and like I kind of felt like an idiot, like saying this stuff aloud to her, but it allowed me to see my worst fears and thoughts for what they were which was like so empowerful um, for me just to get it out of my mind and body just into air and to see them for what they were. So then she asked me, okay, you've thought about the worst thing, like, but what is the best thing that could happen? And literally in that moment, and I don't, I'm not sure if you've read the book, um, but I shared this too in the book, like in that moment, I literally imagined myself like trekking in these foreign lands and experiencing a different way of life and maybe even writing a book about it. And I, this was about two years ago, actually, almost from this week. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, okay, like I'm doing it. I'm going to leave school and travel. And so that was kind of <laughs> the second, it kind of, kind of took me two tries to effectively leave school. And that was kind of how I left and then um, spent the next two months kind of researching and then headed off to Guatemala. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I love, <laughs> I, I love everything about this, but I, I think it's also really important to point out that it was two tries. I'm glad that you said that because some people will think that, well, if it doesn't work through on the first time, then you're just too scared to do it or it's not meant to be. But sometimes that first time is the moment where you receive this idea and it's okay to think you're going to take a leap and then backtrack and then process it more and then take the leap again, even if it takes two, 20 200 times like if something is meant to happen and it's a dream that is 
held really close to your heart, then it will find a way. It will happen. But I love that you continue to search and to be open to that. Do you ever feel sometimes like you missed out on anything by not finishing school? Or do you feel so, I think I know the answer, but just for people listening, do you feel so certain in this path that you've taken that that wonder of what if I had gone to college, it's not even a thing in your mind? Because I think so many people think if they don't go to college, then, well, once they get home from this magical trip, then the real shit will like hit the fan because then you don't have this degree that you worked on. Like how did you go on this trip and then not worry about getting this degree immediately or in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. And my honest answer, like I'm 20 right now. So like I still kind of experienced some things and I have no regrets. Like I don't, I try and not ever look back and think what if, because I feel like, you know, of course I can learn from my past, but I feel like the what ifs just don't usually serve me and my happiness. Um, but I have no regrets for the decisions I've made. And I think when I left school and then, you know, of course traveling, like I had a, a couple things where I was like, I have to write this book. The book took me like 15, 16 months and I knew that I wanted to share this story and start speaking. So everything kind of, I like had a certain level of, certainty, I guess you could say, this desire that I had to fulfill. And I think today as that desire, like I've kind of achieved a lot of the things that I set out to do. And of course, you know, marketing, getting your book out to the world. For me, it's not just, oh, okay, three months and done. Like I just really believe in it and want to continue it. But I think, you know, I think it's normal to question things, especially when it is a big thing. Like I've even thought, you know, people have been suggesting to me like, oh, like, do you think you're going to go back to school? And like my honest answer is probably not. I mean, I think the hardest thing in the path that I'm on right now is just kind of like the social life in the sense of being a 20-year-old and, you know, I'm looking to move out soon with a couple buddies. But I think that, the you know, everything in life is kind of an opportunity cost. What we choose, we have to give certain things to go up in different directions. So for me, like pursuing this career in life that I can wake up every day and be excited about for me outweighs some of the, the potential other things that I might be missing out on and just kind of having just learning from people and pursuing this path like you know everyone has a unique path and I think it's as I'm learning right now just being able to trust the journey and and not wonder not put a limit on where I should be I think that's the biggest thing I'm learning right now like thinking I should be here, I should be there, but just trusting it and continuing to like work on the process as opposed to thinking about the outcome every on a day-to-day -day basis. I forget that you're 20 years old. You are so young and you are so wise. What would, you, <laughs> what would you say to someone who is, let's say like 45 and they're like, yeah, well, he's 20 years old and that's why he has this uh, delusional optimism, which by the way, I think is a, a wonderful quality that all of us should strive to have. What would you say to someone who's reached an age that's double yours and they're like, well, he doesn't know yet, you know, how hard things can get, or he doesn't know yet that re what responsibilities are like, how would you provide this person with hope to also go after their dreams of say they want to go to Guatemala without knowing Spanish? How can you encourage someone like that does that make sense? Uh, of course it does. And I've gotten that question multiple times now. So um, I think it's important, like whenever, whatever I share and, and whenever I speak, like do public speaking and, and do, I did my first workshop and there was like a 40 year old woman who was kind of asking, not quite that, but like a similar thing. And all I can do is share from my heart and my experiences. Like, I don't know what it's like to be you. I don't know what it's like to be anyone else. But what I do know is I've met some amazing people and I can speak to my own journey. I met a woman in her 50s who literally did exactly what I did um, after an awful divorce. She packed a backpack, got all of her stuff in storage and spent a year traveling around the world and like reconnected with that fire inside of herself and found this new zest for life. And I think it's, you know, everyone has a different story and that's the beauty of it. But when we can see, you know, it's shifting from how can life be happening for us as opposed to to us. So maybe she has certain things, but there's always a way. There's so many people who've done the things that we want to do. And I think when you understand that, um, you know, you look at like a 80 year old woman who's like has the record for marathons or something. There's this one woman who's like started running at 55 and then starts running marathons like anything. It's it's really determined by our mindset. And when we can want something badly enough, there's always a way. So I could totally understand how 
people might say, oh, look at this 20-year-old, like, he's so cute in his little bubble and inspired, and then reality is going to punch him in the face or whatever. Like, you know, I totally respect that, but I think all you have to do is look out to the world, and there are people who have done the things that you want to do, whether you're 15 or 85, and I think it's just a matter of developing the will to do it. I absolutely agree, and I think that's a big difference between, say, you as a 20-year-old and many other 20-year-olds. If you're looking for an excuse, you will always find one. If you're looking for a good reason, you will also find one. So it depends on when your, where your attention is and where your priorities are. So maybe you're 20 years old, but I personally believe that you're quite a bit of an old soul, and you're very mature for your age. And I feel similar about myself and other people in their early to mid-20s who are entrepreneurs and, and people who are not entrepreneurs, but just who don't really resonate maybe with the partying and, and that type of lifestyle. Um, and there's no hierarchy of this is better or this is better. But I think that's a bit of the, of the difference is that some people just have, they just have different priorities for some people. College is their priority. And that's just as awesome as someone who doesn't have college as their priority, but wants to create a startup. And I think that's the way to look at it. And if someone's like, well, I'm, I'm this, I'm this age and I have this dream. And the reason why you're not going after this dream is because maybe you do have excuses, but also you have other priorities. So I merely invite people to have a priority shift and then figure out a way for that and put the excuses aside or put the reasons aside that it cannot work. Yes, they can exist. They can be there. But if you focus long and hard enough on all of the different ways and reasons that you can make this beautiful dream you have come to life, there is always a way. I used to, I used to have all of these excuses for why I couldn't, quote, afford something and mm -hmm. pay for something. And that was a huge thing that came up in my life time and time and time again. I realized tons of money blocks that I had in my life. But it was really because I had a different priority and my priority was hoarding my money. And having oh, wow. these excuses, I always had this hoarding of money, like energy could come in, but I never wanted it to go out. I was so afraid of it leaving me. So I had, it wasn't that I couldn't afford certain things. It was that I had my other priorities of not just not letting that energy out because out of fear, or maybe I really couldn't. I didn't have the money at the time, and my excuse was I don't want to create the money, but it it was there for me to create. So that was a big mindset shift for me as well. And um, so I kind of did want to want to talk on that is money and travel. Do you ever mm -hmm. get asked questions about people who are say nineteen or eighteen years old and they want to go travel, but like they didn't have a job all throughout high school? Do you have any ways or recommendations for people who do want to travel, but to do it maybe in a way that's similar to how you did it? Yeah, I get asked that all the time every time I speak, essentially. Um, and I, especially if they're high school, I would say, you know, get a job or, or figure out a way to create some sort of income because, I mean, at least in my instance, like some kids, maybe their parents would want to pay, they would be supportive and paying for them to do a trip like that. I know my parents probably would not have paid for me to do what I did just because especially it's, um, wasn't like a study abroad. Like I was really, just creating something on my own. And it, you know, they weren't I'm lucky my parents were supportive, but they weren't like exactly stoked on me, like going to Guatemala as an 18 year old kid without a cell phone and not knowing Spanish and just like kind of winging it. Um, but I had worked in high school and, and when I got home, there was like a two month gap between when I, when I got home and when I left for Guatemala. So I started working in like this cafe just saving up as much money. And I set out with just under 4,000 bucks that was used for everything from buying my backpack, travel insurance, medical insurance, or travel medical insurance, like all, all that stuff. And I was just committed to making it stretch. And I found an opportunity through Workaway, which is something I, I tell everyone about because I, I don't know how more people don't know about it. It's essentially a site that connects volunteers and hosts from all around the world, like opportunities from working on a permaculture farm to teaching English to working in a hostel, like anything you can think of, there's probably a job for it in some country in the world. And I found this one in Guatemala. So I reached out to the family. It was whatever your skill set, the people of Paten need your help. So I was like, cool, I'm like 18. I don't have professional skills. Um, and then we found a deal, like we kind of talked about, okay, I would live in the shack right next to this family and I would have all my meals there. You know, there's a little 
shower. By shower, I mean like a one little tiny nozzle <laughs> with like a cockroach that lived in the shower with us. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was part of the thing. But I was paying seven bucks a day, so like roughly 50 bucks a week to live in this town. So, I mean, obviously I spent some money on a couple other things, but that's like, you know, that's 200 bucks a month if I was going to really stay at a bare minimum to live in this town in Guatemala and volunteer and teach English a couple hours a day. Like, so there are so many ways, like I could have easily spent less than, I came home with just a couple hundred bucks left in my bank account, but I spent well under $4,000 for four months. So it's so possible, especially through volunteering. And I found if you're desire and traveling you know everyone has different desires through travel but if one of them is getting to know a community and live like experience a culture volunteering is one of the best ways to do that because it helps you foster that connection with the local community and of course i stopped i didn't work away the whole way through i would stop and just go off on my own and then find another opportunity but i think volunteer is one of the best ways to do it and there are so many opportunities to travel almost for free there's ways to make money doing it through teaching english as a foreign language so i think it comes back to what you talked about before if you if it's truly a priority and you recognize it as a priority you will figure out a way to make it work yeah absolutely i've always wanted to do a work away or what the other one is called um wolfing wolfing yeah yeah wolfing those are so cool i am um, when i was in when i was in asia and i was considering going to australia i found a woman who lived on bondi beach and instead of just doing like well the first thing she offered was me to do just like household stuff like going to the grocery store and just like helping with her place and blah 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 like cool but then when she found out what i did she was like actually i have my own business i could really use your marketing help and if you could just help shape up my newsletters and my facebook presence and all that i'm like wow that would be really cool because i would just be able to stay where she lives for absolute free and just help her build her business and super easy so think about what your talents already are because there are plenty of opportunities for that and i know like in um, new zealand there's all these beautiful animal sanctuaries and um i saw one particularly that was like an animal sanctuary farm where you just take care of the animals and it's just a household of like vegetarians that are all fun loving and like it seemed very cool and those kind of opportunities i think are priceless because yes you can go and afford to stay in hostels which is a great way to go as well if you would rather have not have to work but i think that there's something really beautiful about being able to bond with a host family and to maybe experience their particular way of life and then there are benefits of course of like being in a nice home and have home cooked meals and do regular things you would do at home, like go to a grocery store and then cook, which is something that I really missed when I was traveling around Asia. And, uh, when I go to Europe this month, I have, I feel like I'll probably have the same thing because I absolutely love being able to cook in my own kitchen. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. I love that you mentioned that. How did you not have a cell phone when you were there? Like <laughs> that was yeah that was a conscious decision um yeah so i was 18 when i when i left and at school like people like i kind of mentioned i kind of hid my like anxiety and depression like if you would have looked on my instagram or like facebook like people were like oh like he's loving life like he's the man and i felt like i was just like lying to myself i'm like i hate like having to put out this persona like i'm just like anxious and depressed but i'm like making my life seem a different way and everyone's like like the day after the championship, everyone was hitting me up like on my, my phone, like, congrats, man. Like you must be so happy. And like, I hated it. Like I read each one. I'm like, this is so stupid. Like I'm just putting out a highlight reel and I'm not even happy. And I kept like comparing myself to other people. I'm like everyone else is happy. I'm like, this is just stupid. I need to stop comparing myself. I'm getting away from technology. So I just uh, decided that I wasn't going to bring my phone, that I needed this experience was for me like it wasn't to share it with anyone else. I think there's such a joy in getting to share it, but I was at a period in my life where I was like, this journey is for me and for my own like self. And I just am not going to bring a phone. I want to live life in the moment. And literally after like the first day and I'm like the worst person in the world with directions. So like other than maps, like I didn't, that was kind of like tough for me to like, how am I going to get anywhere without maps? But it just allowed me to really be present and like it's interesting after one day or two days like you do not think about social media or technology 
really at all. Like you're just kind of, your focus changes. And I found like there was such a piece that stemmed from that decision. So that was probably the, one of the best decisions I've ever made <laughs> four months without a phone. Would you do that again? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about for four months. Like I recently went to Mexico for a week and I didn't go on my phone for, I think, five or six of the days. I just brought it essentially so I could have Uber to come home into my mm-hmm. hostel. But it was amazing. It's the exact same thing. Like I was with an amazing group of people on this trip and like my focus was completely like different. And it's, it really does, I think, affect, like I can only speak to myself personally, but like my presence, like I'm not thinking about anything else. And I, I mean, really, especially for like young kids growing up today. And when I speak at high schools, like I talk about this because there's two paradigms. There's like real life and then there's online and they're both just as real, like the effects they have on us. So for me, like I always find when I can kind of eliminate one and just focus on the real life stuff for just a little bit of time, it kind of helps me ground myself and just find the clarity that I seek. Yeah, I love that. That's really inspiring. And I feel like people could do that anywhere. Just put your phone away for a day or have like phone free Monday or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And leave it, leave it and see what happens. Like what's the worst that can happen? What's the best that can happen? Um, I'm pretty sure I haven't done that like ever. So I'm going to do it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think I should. Cool. You could just do a little weekend one to start, you know? It's yeah. Like Baby steps. For sure. Well, I will say that I have been like more recently on the weekends. I have, there have been days that I've looked at my phone one time and that's it. And that's because I've just been having fun and doing things. And so I, I, in a sense I have done that, not intentionally, but that's what I ended up doing. And those were the best days because I wasn't Instagram storing my life and I didn't feel the need to share anything. And The reason why for me, like, I think the reason why my phone is so important when I travel is because one, I prefer to use my phone journal when I travel. Like Mm -hmm. the, I have this app called the day one app and I journal on there. Um, and that's just where I keep all my travel journals. So I could get a real journal, but I'm kind of minimalistic and I like to just have everything in one place. So I just use the phone. Yeah. And yeah. uh, maps and maps is good. And, and then of course I'm probably lying if I didn't say Instagram as well, but that those are the <laughs> basics. Yeah. Maps could help me out. But I think also, you know, it's not about not using it. It's just about like the healthy conscious manner. And I mean, you, especially like you're, you're impacting a lot of people through sharing your story and people want to know what you're up to. Like you're a leader and I think, you know, me too, like I'm trying to also share certain things and be more present with my social media too, because like just the, the world we're living in. And if you're trying to grow a business or, you know, impact people, you kind of, you can't, it's just such a powerful vehicle. So it's just about like finding that balance. If I asked you what were three things you learned about yourself on your trip, like what changed you, what would you tell me? Oh, wow. Um, I think the the biggest one like the overarching one is like there's no rule book to life. Like there's not one way I have to live my life. And I think just seeing all these people live from living on a permaculture farm to where this guy only ate raw fruits and vegetables. And like I was eating only raw fruits and vegetables for two weeks to meeting a guy who like barely slept to meeting backpackers who had sold all their stuff. Like these things were so different to me. Like I could not believe people were living this way. And so for me, I was like, I remember like sitting on a hammock one day and like I had this one hammock where I was living. My host family like had it overlooking a lake. And I would just sit there and read and like think about life for like a couple hours every day. I was like, holy, like where am I right now? I'm like sitting in this hammock and like, like I, I can't believe I created this in my life. Like I, and so it was like this realization that I can take my life in any direction. And if something isn't working, I can always make a change. And to me, that's like the biggest one because I realized like I truly am in control of my life. Like it was so it was almost like foreign to me because like growing up, like I've been conditioned like, you know, you, you do this, you do this, you do this. Mm-hmm. So it was I found that was very empowering. So I think that's one of the big ones. Number two, I think, is um, kind of the sense of like peace that I found within myself when I followed my intuition. So like a lot of times I got asked, you know, four months, like, were you lonely a lot, like just by yourself? And of course, you know, as a traveler, like you're not like alone all the time, like you're with people a lot, you meet different people, 
whether it's volunteering or I stayed in like 20 hostels. So I was always meeting just friends, but there, I like learned to really value time by myself. Like I think I'm an ambivert, which is essentially your hat, like introverted and extroverted. So like I've learned to just love being, having time to myself and being content with it. And I think sometimes I would spend like eight, nine hours on a bus ride on these chicken buses to a different location and I didn't have any music I didn't have my phone I was just literally by myself with my thoughts and I remember the first time it was a little like frustrating but I, I soon like learned to just be present with myself and that's something that I, that carries into today and something I'm really grateful for because you know you can have someone sitting alone and they can either go crazy or they could be totally content and I think in the past I might have been a little like going crazy but now I've just kind of learned to embrace it and, and even enjoy it Mm-hmm. And let me think. I think a third one, and this I think, maybe learning about myself. And and you know, I'm I'm probably ready for my next leap. I'm not sure what it looks like, but like once the hardest part for me in any decision I made was not getting to this rural town that was nine hours away without a phone. There was no addresses in this town. They only had a small little cafe for Wi-Fi. That wasn't the hardest part. It wasn't having to hitchhike by myself, stranded on a mountain in Nicaragua, like. All those things were difficult, but the hardest thing I've ever done was leaving school and then booking that one-way flight. So for me, it was this realization like when when I take a leap of faith that's based on my intuition, um, things work out. The hardest part is that first step. And if I can have the courage and the audacity to follow my gut, like everything is going to work out. And so I, I'm trying to remind myself more and more of that lately because I truly believe it's like I call it the follow your gut muscle because like once you do it once and you have more courage to leap again and again and again. So just trusting that and knowing that it will unfold um, and all will be well. Yes. I think it's so interesting how so many of us in this, it goes back to the conditioning thing. So many of us intuitively, intuitively believe that it's not going to work out. Like there's just this looming negative outcome that's strongly like the probability of it happening is very strong. And mm-hmm. in my experience is with everything I've ever feared, it's always worked out. Like my entire Asian trip worked out three months of doing this solo travel. Everything worked out. Not one time. Mm-hmm. And maybe like, what's, what's the standard for working out? Like I'm alive. I'm well, like all is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess there could be like wavering, things you could get money stolen or you could have your credit card stolen and that's not good but even if that happens everything will get worked out everything always gets taken care of so learning how to trust beautiful i love that such a key lesson the other thing you said the very first one i love that one as well and it reminds me of how i there's no right or wrong way to do something and i remember when i was going through my breakup in april i kept it was a pivotal moment for me because i kept thinking what's right what's wrong? What's right? What's wrong? Like, what is it? I don't know. Like, am I going to do the wrong thing? And funny who said it, he said it because we were very mature about this breakup. Just, it was one big, long discussion over and over and over. Um, but he was just telling me like, well, Madeline, there's no right. There's no wrong. There's only what's right for you right now. And so even, even him saying that I was like, whoa, you're, you're, that's so profound, but so simple because I, I continuously thought of things in black and white all the time. And this was before my Asia trip. I quickly booked my one way right after that breakup, but, um, it just really struck a chord with me. So now whenever something happens, I don't think like, what's the right answer? What's the wrong answer? I'm so scared of doing the wrong thing. I just really think like everything is, 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 is not, it's not, <laughs> everything is trial and error. There's no wrong and there actually isn't a right. So even if I do something, it's not that if it turns out wonderfully, it's not that it was the right choice. It was just what was best for in this moment. And yay, I went with what was best for this moment. So that's a good way to think about things as well. I love that. I think that's huge because I like, I know myself, like I'm very much a, like a forward thinker. Like I'm always, like I do like to plan and I, because I'm very like goal and like ambitiously oriented, but you know, I also have been lately kind of sitting with a little bit of uncertainty. And I think what you just said, like really rings true to me, like not thinking so much about what's right or what's wrong, but what feels right in this moment. And I think sometimes we just have to go like, you know, Martin Luther King says, you know, faith is taking the first step, even when you can't see the whole staircase. And just know, like what you said, what is what feels right in this moment? I love that. 
Yeah, it's just simplifying it and it's taking a lot of pressure off. And it's totally counterintuitive to the way most of us were raised. <laughs> like, have a plan, know your plan, be your plan, eat, breathe, sleep your plan, like live by this plan until you die. And so learning how to let go of that old belief that there has to be a plan is really challenging. And I think that all of us need reminders. We all need to remember time and time and time again, it's okay not to have this plan because like you said, there's no right way to live your life. And so maybe today you'll wake up and you'll feel a little more certainty and tomorrow you'll have no earthly idea. So then just backtrack and say, okay, well, what's today's purpose? What do I need today? It doesn't have to have the whole plan figured out, but just today, what's one thing I can do that would feel right? So I like to simplify things that way. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. So before we go to the quick fire round, what is, what is a, what's one recent way you have stepped into the presence of fear? Uh, I did my first workshop, which was kind of scary to me. Um, like kind of, you know, the what ifs were like, oh, I'm a 20 year old kid. Like who's going to pay for this? Um, and I just set the intention I was going to do it. And I had seven people show up and it was just awesome. Cause I was scared, like in marketing it, like, Hey, like, you know, is anyone going to even buy this? I was like prepared to give out a bunch of free tickets to people. But that was really cool to see like, wow, like when I, when I set the attention and I made it happen, like I stepped up into it and people responded and people saw the vision I had and for themselves and decided to attend the workshop and it went amazing. And I realized like, wow, like this is something that I feel called to continue doing. So that was big for me because I'd never done it. And I don't have like a humongous following so i was like maybe people like won't even do it but you know it's kind of like it's my whole thing is just just start somewhere you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to be great type thing so that was big for me yes and if i was there if i lived there i would have totally come i absolutely would have and i think it's cool that again we're kind of on a similar wavelength because i just did my first workshop recently as well i think they were around the same time and i had all this fear too which is funny because like I do have a larger online following, but I don't have a local following at all. And so mm -hmm. I had the same emotions come up of like, who did, they don't even know who I am. Like I, I have to explain all of this. And then like ego things came out. It was, it was messy, but in the best way ever. And it was very humbling. And then it was very, it was a be very beautiful experience where I got to pull together a group of women that were, you know, destined to be in this room. And it was just very, every single person cried. And, you know, as a coach, I'm sure wow. you can relate. It's always kind of exciting when people cry. <laughs> yeah. That's, talk about really connecting deeply. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's like, oh, it's kind of like funny, but like, that's sort of a goal because like when you cry, it's like, that means you're really feeling like I, what's that thing you said? It's like, you have to feel the shit to feel the shift. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Cause like crying is like, you're feeling it to the fullest. Yeah. And so provide that for someone else. And like, that's not easy to do, especially like I've found like with guys, like if a guy's crying, I'm like, Oh my God, like something is going great here. Yes. It's so funny because like everyone else in the workshop will probably be the ones that are like, Oh my gosh, she's crying. Like, let me go and hold her hand. And I'm like, yes, you do that part because I'm like, yes, she's crying. That means other people are going to cry because then that person like opened up the space for everyone else to cry. So I'm always really excited when that first person cries because then everyone else like in their own way gets permission to let go. So whoever is the first crier in workshops, way to go. You own it. Yeah. You're awesome. When we love you. Okay. Amen. So before the quick fire round, can you let everyone know where they can connect with you? Of course. So my name, my last name is kind of hard to spell. It's Heilbrunn. It's H-E-I-L-B-R-U-N-N. -N. So my name, jakeheilbrunn.com. That's my website and kind of all my social media handles. And then my book, Off the Beaten Trail, is available on Amazon. Awesome. And I will make sure that I have all of the links on the show notes to this episode 140. Okay. Number one, what are three words to describe you? Ooh, I would say... Um, passionate, um, thoughtful. Ooh, I don't know. What's the third one? I think passion covers a lot of the words that are coming to mind. Passionate, thoughtful, and hmm. I would say almost, even though I probably shouldn't give you your own word, but I would say adventurous because you're very adventurous. Yeah. 
Maybe that is a good one. Yeah. I like those three. Passionate, thoughtful, and adventurous. Those are good. That's a good, I, I wasn't ready for those. those are, that was a good one. It's a hard, it's, someone asked me that recently and I'm like, why are you asking me this? This is so hard. So I don't <laughs> know why I put people through that, but oh well. No, I like it. It makes you think. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be besides your current home? Ooh, um, I loved, I could see myself living in Costa Rica for sure. What did you eat for breakfast? Ooh, I had a smoothie. <laughs> what do you like in your smoothie? I put banana, protein, hemp protein, um, spinach, chia seeds, hemp seeds, and almond milk and cinnamon and coconut oil. <laughs> I like a lot of weird that stuff. That sounds really good. I have been looking into different kinds of protein powders because I've been doing whey. And do you like hemp? Is that is it tasty or is it ugh? Well, it's funny, um, like whey doesn't sit with me too well. Like I'm not lactose intolerant, but I have like sort of like a, I don't, I don't eat dairy cause it just doesn't sit well with me. Um, like I could still have whey, but it just, like I said, just doesn't sit well. So I find that I have like pea plant protein and then hemp protein and I, I really like both. Cool. I'm going to look into it because I don't sit well with whey either. It's, I never have, but I continue to use it and I'm like, why am I doing this? Okay. Um, do you have any pets? I have a dog named Rooney. He is awesome. He is seven years old, but you would literally think he looks and acts like a puppy. What's the most exciting thing in your life right now? Ooh, um, I'm going to Mexico at, in like two weeks, which I'm excited for on a on a house build. So I'm excited for that. Oh, awesome. Is it like the one that you just did? No, this is with, do you know Mike Sherbakov? Sherbakov. I don't think so. Yeah, he is the Greatness Foundation, but he's a really cool guy. Um, in the wellness and like personal development space and he's leading a group to build a home so I really like Mike and I love what he's doing so I'm I'm excited to join him get to know him connect with people and, and build a home nice beautiful um and quality wise what is the best or what is your biggest quality turn on in a partner um probably just being supportive really like I love I'm like I don't know if you've read the I haven't even read the five love languages but I had like a really good talk with someone about it and I realized my I'm like you know as a writer and speaker of course mine's affirmations but like just getting support from someone I think is just like makes me feel confident in myself Mm, that's a really good one and it's very noticeable when there's a lack of support in the relationship and that does not sit well like yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, I agree with you there. Um, who are three people you would invite to a perfect dinner party? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, do I have, do I know them or not know them? Or is there like a rule to it? Nope. Anyone in the world dead or alive too. Ooh, dead or alive. Okay. Well, I'm going to stick to alive just to make this kind of, um, <laughs> easier. Cause like I could go so intense, but Richard Branson's definitely got to be one of them just because mm-hmm. like the life that guy's lived is so fascinating to me like in his philosophy of like screw it let's do it a second one i'm kind of just going off the top of my head here i'd probably invite lewis house Uh, i met lewis a couple times and i just like i I really like him so i'd love to to get uh to dinner with lewis and and um let's see a third one maybe craig kielberger he's the founder of free the children and we day and i actually had i briefly met him once but i didn't get to talk to him and to see like that guy his life story and he's literally impacted millions of people through the way he lives his life and what he's created. So I would love to like, just be around those. All three of those guys are creating such impact and the way they show up. I just like want to be around their energy. (laughs) Those are all fantastic people. And I like that they're all alive because there's like that tiny chance. Oh yeah. You know what? Now I'm going to set the intention and it's going to (laughs) happen. Yes. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Uh, favorite meal right now. Ooh, I love fish tacos. I'm just a sucker for fish tacos. They are the best. I agree. Yeah. Except when you eat them in Bali and you get food poisoning, then they are not the best. That does not sound fun. That is not a good experience. Um, isn't it sad that now whenever I think of fish tacos, I think of food poisoning in Bali? It's like they're ruined. There's, they were so pure and so holy and so amazing. And now when you say them, I'm like, oh my God, Bali. Well, you have to have San Diego fish tacos because they're unreal. And so maybe that will change. You'll have a a new, a new perspective on fish tacos. I think that's, that should be a priority on my to-do list because I got to protect the sanctity of fish tacos. 
I, I agree. That's very important. Okay. Two more questions. If you had a movie about your life, who would you cast to play you? Ooh, that's a good question. And it's tough because I'm 20. But if I could like just pick someone, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, he's just the man. And so I'd love for him to play, play me. I don't know if we look alike, but I just think he's a cool dude. Good choice. Okay. Very last one. And this is a new question on this list. So I'm excited to see what your answer is. What do you know for sure? Ooh, what do I know for sure? That all my needs are met. I think that just to be simple, like as much as I sometimes can find myself stressing at the end of the day, all my needs are met. And I find that's very comfortable. Really good. That was a great answer. I love it. Well, (laughs) Jake, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been so awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me, Maddie. Everyone, make sure that you head on over to maddiemoon.com slash jake dash Heilbrunn, <laughs> and you can get all of the links. You can check out his books. You can get the show notes, everything we talked about, and any other additional links. And if you're there and you haven't yet downloaded my free course, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life, you can still do that on there. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So if you leave a comment on my Facebook or in the show notes, leave a comment at the bottom. Let me know what you liked about this. If you have any questions about travel or about his work in particular, reach out to Jake. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next time. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.